right as we get ready to start today. Before I do, I just want to say to the church at large, my wife and I, my family, we greatly appreciate your support, your generosity. The pastoral uh, appreciation gift this year was extremely helpful and much appreciated. I don't have words to convey it, uh, but we just we love all of you and we are grateful to be here serving you. And so let us pray for one another to stir up love and good works. And we will continue to do so until the Lord tells us what else to do next. Amen. All right. And I just wanted you to know that we, we are so appreciative of it. Just uh, beyond. Well, actually, the word hyper comes to mind. Okay. In the Greek, it's called hooper. But it's, it's hyper. So we think of uh, hyper uh, generous. That would be generous and then some. Right. And that's what you all demonstrated last week at Pastoral Appreciation. But then we, you think of hypersonic. And you get... Fast, but you get fast beyond that, right? Hypersonic. Um, now, sometimes it can be used in a negative. You got hyperextension, usually referring to knees, and that's not good at all, you know. And, and then you can have uh, hyper in theological conditions, which are never good at all. So you got to kind of know what when you're talking about it. But it's really good. It's a really good prefix. Uh, we use the word super a lot to convey that meaning. But uh, think about hyper-generosity in this case. Uh, Philemon is the book we're going to be in today. Okay, it's not Philemon. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's Philemon. And specifically, we're going to be kind of channeling off of one particular verse, verse 21. Um, and so what I'd like to do is just introduce the verse. Then I'm going to have us stand and read all of Philemon. All of it. Yeah, right? Okay. But here, here's the verse. To set the stage, and then we'll stand and read the whole chapter. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Now, this was Philemon's reputation to Paul. His reputation preceded him. Knowing that you will do even more than I say. Because of the confidence that Paul had in his obedience. I know, I know you that you're going to do just more than I could ask. You're going to do more than I could expect when it comes to grace and mercy and all the attributes of Christ-like character. You're going to be hooper or hyper in it. So in honor of God and His Word, let's stand then and let's read all <laughs> Philemon. Okay? All 25 verses. <clears throat> Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. So we have uh, three or four recipients here that are getting this letter. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, this is about Philemon, hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Wow. Can you imagine? Therefore, 
Though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him. That is my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you both in the flesh and in the Lord. If you or if then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you and in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. And then our finally our, our verse, verse 21. Having confidence in your obedience... I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also, prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through the prayers, through your prayers, I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, what a snapshot view we have of a brother in the Lord in the ancient world, in the early church, who had such a, a reputation of Christ-like character and boldness. God, we need that today. And it's not something that we just arrive at and stay. It's something we fight for. Lord, Philemon was just a man. And Onesimus was just a man. And Paul, too, Though an apostle, just a man. And you use men. And God, if you only used perfect men, I shudder to think where the church would be today. So God, teach us what we need to know about hyper-gratitude, hyper-grace, hyper-forgiveness, hyper-service, hyper-faithfulness. Show us Jesus. In Jesus, in His name we pray. Amen. All right. <clears throat> Think about this concept. Obedience is the merit of Christ and not of self. Think about that. Obedience, our obedience to God, is the merit of Christ, not of ourselves. Paul even prayed, I know that in me there is no good thing. And the good that I do have, it all comes from Jesus anyways. So the service with which we offer Christ, the, 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 sometimes we feel like we would use the word meager prayers and attempts we have at pursuing Him. Don't ever forget, Christian, these are not supplied by your ability to be strong. Though it may seem like that in, to, to, to a degree because we are in this body, but just know that compulsion to seek the Lord, that, that drive, that 
forever uh, awareness every day of Christ over you, the preeminence of Christ, that's all Him working in you. Tell you a story because I have no comfort zone left. Um, as you well know, I spoke and confessed to you, and Brother Chris uh, <laughs> um, Crutchfield held me accountable to it the other day in his very gentle way. How you doing on those quiet times, those monthly quiet times with the Lord? Wait, what have I? Leave me alone. Just, <laughs> what are you meddling for? <laughs> you know. Well, the truth of the matter is I hadn't yet cleaned my building. And it is clean now. And I sent you a picture to prove it, didn't I? I did. So I went out and, and uh, I had planned all week to have my, my night there with the Lord. Rindy was gone off and, and uh, I decided I'd build a fire. I got the, brick, the, the wood out there and it was along around 6.30. And um, I, I had been looking forward to this all week. This happened on Thursday evening this past week. And... Uh, I went out and it was hard. It was work. I wished I could say that it was just the, the fire got brighter and the room turned into a cloud of, of the presence of God, but it didn't. It was hard. And not to mention, what I ate for dinner was making me sleepy. Which was a baked potato and a piece of meat. What else is there? And I remember being uncomfortable. And I remember, you know how when you kind of sit still, you, you tend to lose it? <laughs> you know, your mind. I mean, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. But I know this. Finally, I got mad. And I just, I got mad at my flesh. And I prayed, God, you know I'm here. It's all I can do. You know what's on my heart. You hear it all the time. And I can tell you, after about an hour of wrestling, the sun did shine. And it did get warm. And there was a sweet fellowship. But man, to get there, does anyone here know what briars are? Okay, well, whenever you've tracked through that before, that's what it's like. So, I guess I say that to say that it wasn't because I, I fought so hard. It's because He was so gracious with me to fight for me. We give up too easy many times in our walk with the Lord and in our prayer life. Many times my prayers don't match my confession, my theology. It's much easier to speak of victory than it is to pray it. And much less even to believe it without wavering. And the issue is we get to looking around at everything else. So that's why I say obedience is the merit of Christ. Not of self. We are not a religious church here, if you're new, by the way. In fact, we, we reject it categorically, this religious thing. Now, we may happen to use the word if we stumble across an old Puritan or a, or a read from an, an older era of Christian commentary. We may use it. 
But what we mean here is relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. One that is sustained by Him. One that is originated by Him. And one that will end in Him. Only to begin again for all eternity. Because really it never ends at all. So again, the obedience that we, that we have, even if it's a little bit, is still the merit of Christ. Not of self. So with that being said, <clears throat> oh, Anthony Hokema, one of the readers that I, I like to read a lot. Obedience is the result of sanctification in the child of God. This is all setting up to get with Philemon. He said, sanctification is pictured as something that we must continually pursue. According to Scripture, therefore, though sanctification is primarily God's work in us, now pay attention to this, it is not a process in which we remain passive, but one in which we must continually be active. My laboring, even to have a special time alone with God, was me not just being, well, God, just, you know, let a wind carry me up to the building. And, and then you just make it... I am going, but I'm going because of what he's doing, right? So that's where John Murray comes in. God's working in us is not suspended because we work. It's not like, well, now I'm working, Lord, you can let off and put your transmission in neutral. No, no, our working, our working suspended because God works. Our, our working is suspended because God works. Neither is the relation strictly one of cooperation as if God did his part and we did ours. So in other words, tit for tat. So I showed up out there. Now God's obligated to come and see me. Right? I, I, took the, I went to the effort of cleaning up my space. And then now God's re required to come. Nope, nothing that either. But the relation is that because God works, we work. You, you follow? Again, it's obedience is the merit of Christ and not of self. That's the difference between religion saying... Go do all these things and maybe you'll gain a couple of tick marks with the Lord. No. Relationship says Jesus did it all. Now pursue Him because He's pushing you there anyway. Okay? And so, again, this is a key component. The relation is that because God works, because God is working, sanctifying us, then we work. It's not a tit for tat. And it's not me somehow getting his attention, so he's obligated. Okay. I read this too from Jerry Bridges in a devotional this week from Romans 12.1. In which case, I'm going to turn there. Romans 12.1. And, and, and it all has bearing upon the text as we, as we read it. Because we can fall into this and we don't see this in Philemon. He says in, in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then I'm going to go ahead and read verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If I read that on one hand and I say, okay, here's what I got to do. And if I do this with all my might, then God's obligated to come and zap me with more holiness. And then I'll suddenly shine like, like Stephen's face, like the face of an angel, whatever that looks like. 
okay? Or, or, or something will happen. No, this is all happening because God is working in you and, and you as a Christian should have a natural compulsion inside you to then desire to be a sacrifice for God. You, you as a Christian, if you're born again of the Holy Spirit, you should desire to lay down. It, it's, it's something not of you, of your flesh, because we're all into self-preservation, naturally. You desire to be holy. You desire to be acceptable. You desire not to be conformed to this world. You desire to be transformed. And you desire that your mind think different. And you desire to prove what is God's will for your life. You desire that because... That is to be a Christian. Babies cry because they're alive. Thank God. Daughters call their dads because they love them. Sons check on their parents because they care. Parents love their children because... They are bound up in their life. This is life. This is living. It's not tit for tat. Again, our obedience is the merit of Christ and not of self. So here's what Jerry Bridges said then. He said, I had been a confirmed legalist. And I dutifully sought to live the Christian life that way. (laughs) Any hands? Come on now. Hands. You know who you are. Who here is a committed legalist sometimes? In your Christian walk, don't be shy. You're trying to earn God's favor by tick points by doing good things. Yeah, there's more than that, I promise you. Extended altar call today. Um, But he said, uh, I dutifully sought to live the Christian life by being confirmed legally. He says, but suddenly one day, I understood God's grace in an entirely new way. I was spending, here we go, Chris, you ready for this? I was spending a half day with God, seated in a basement room with a cold, hard tile floor. As my understanding of God's grace was enlightened, Romans 12:1 came to mind. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That is your spiritual act of worship. I fell on my knees on that cold, hard floor and said something like this to God. Lord, I have presented my body to you as a living sacrifice. Before, I've done this before, but I've never understood as I do now your mercy and your grace. And in view of my deeper understanding of your grace, I now present myself to you in a new and deeper way. I give myself wholly to you without any reservation. What caught my eye on this was, I give myself wholly afresh to you without any reservation. And what I took that to mean was, just looking at my own life, when I'm thinking about Philemon as we're beginning to look, I have got to reject any inkling of my flesh to originate obedience to God. I can't muster merit. I can never begin to go down the road and think that just because, oh, I've read my Bible seven days in a row, God, please let me have that parking place. Or, Lord, I have been at this a year now. I've completed my yearly Bible reading plan. I prayed every day, and I haven't missed much church. So, therefore, God, I should be promoted in the company. 
Or, even worse, Lord, I should have an extra, an extra measure of the Spirit. Because that's, that's wrong thinking. And I believe that's what Brother Bridges, if you read any of those works, that's what he was talking about. Okay, so let's look then. Obedience is the merit of Christ and not of self. Revealed in action. This is where this shows up. Meet Philemon. Philemon was a first century Christian and a slave owner. That's why the whole book was written. Who also hosted a church in his home. Most likely in Colossae. His name means affectionate in Greek. And from all we know about Philemon, he lived up to his name. Paul had led Philemon to faith on one of his visits to Asia Minor and had stayed in Philemon's home when he was in that region. The only mention of Philemon in the Bible is in the book of that name. The book of Philemon is a personal letter from the Apostle Paul to his friend Philemon, whom he calls a dear friend and fellow worker. And in the book of Philemon, Paul appeals to his friend on behalf of a runaway slave named Onesimus. And Onesimus had somehow connected with Paul, who was imprisoned in Rome. And Onesimus became a believer. But because he was the property of Philemon, Paul sent him back to his owner with this letter that we have. So what do we have here? We have a weird situation for 2023. We have a venerated saint who was a slave owner who had a church in his house, who had a runaway slave named Onesimus, who happened to bump into Paul while he was in prison. Not sure how that works. But God does it. Onesimus becomes a brother. He becomes a Christian. The gospel of Christ saves him. So now Paul is thinking, hey, you got to go back. So let's read then what we see here. Verse uh, I'm going to go through this um, in, verse, in verse 4. I want, to, I want to read verses 4 through 7. I'm going to say a few words. I thank my God, he says in Philemon, making mention of you in my prayers. And this, notice the list. This is the reputation of God's servant. Hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. That's, that's what he was praying. So other than the fact of being a, a slave owner and having a, house, a church uh, in his house, he, he, Paul regularly prayed for him. Philemon um, loved his church. Paul knew he would probably do more than he was asking. And Paul looked forward to staying with him. His reputation let him think all that. Notice in the green, hearing of your love and your faith toward all the saints. And then we see the sharing of your faith and the hearts of the saints being refreshed by him. Your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus toward all the saints is towards God's people. And this is always indicative of a healthy Christian. The way the saints love the saints. Now, I'm going to say something that we're all thinking. Sometimes the saints aren't very lovely, amen? That's right. But I heard a guy say once, the, the, the world, the church at its worst is going to always be better than the world at its best. Because of Jesus' ministry in sanctification to His people. So you can have a knockdown, drag out fight about something and 
Golly, that's bad when that happens. But then the Holy Spirit dwelling in each of the brothers or the sisters or whatever. When he, the, he, they go home, like they go their way. And then suddenly the Lord comes in and says, now listen. You bear my name. Well, that's enough. You bear my name. But Lord, he, you bear my name. My blood atones for you. You are innocent because of me. I forgive you. You forgive him or her. Who do you think you are really? And all of this begins to happen and transpire when we get along with the Lord. And so then what happens then God creates an an internal love. Now, we may disagree. We may have issues to work through. It's not like we're all going to go just gelling down the line. But there is a love, the eternal love of Christ, that should be indicative of a healthy Christian church and relationship. Paul, Paul probably heard of Philemon's love and faith from Epaphras. In which case, this man's been sick before and he loved the church so much. In Galatians 6.10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are the household of faith. So we have a commandment to love one another and to serve one another, to be patient with one another. Again, that doesn't mean that it's easy. Don't, Don't equate this with easy. Don't equate this with not having to fight your flesh on it tooth and nail. Nothing the devil loved any better than to blow up a church to a couple of saints uh, getting sideways with each other. Which happens, we hear about a lot of times. In Galatians 5, 13 and 14, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And sometimes the best way that you can serve one another is to pray for one another in the hard things and remember who you are in your frailty. You shall, uh, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? And then he goes on to say that the sharing of your faith may become effective that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you. Now, all of this is, you've got to understand, all this is contained in Philemon's soul. So, Christian, if you know the Lord, I don't care how strong of a, when we talk about strong Christians, we're not talking about some kind of idealized bodybuilder look of spiritual speak, spiritually speaking. It's, it's about affections for Christ. It's about realizing your sin. It's about humility. It's about gratitude. It's about complete and total dependence upon the Lord for everything that you do. It's about going back and making wrongs right. You live a life of repentance, essentially. Your life is a bumper car. Okay? But you're still going. Sharing, then, is fabulously put like this. Koinonia. Who's all heard that word before? Often, many times, that's, that's referred to for the description of the church. Well, here's what it means. Koinonia is understood in an active general sense, meaning generosity or liberality. Your faith points to the source from which the kindness comes 
while the word active is better rendered as effective. His faith had already been active. Paul now wants it to be effective in relationships. So it's not enough to say, I love Jesus. Do you love your brother? Well, yeah. Well, how? Because I say so. Do you know they just broke their leg trying to fix the lawnmower? Making this up as I go. And they're in the hospital like, like this. Do you know that? Yeah. Well, had you go see them? No. Why? Because they drive Fords. But do you love them? Well, yeah. Well, I'm not seeing any proof of it. See what I mean? I mean, that's really lame, I know. We just work with it. Do you call and check on them? Do you love them? Do you, do, you, do you text them? You know, the text thing is not my favorite either. But for on the go and saying, hey, I hope you're having a good day. And enjoy the snow. And maybe a snowman's in your future. Something. Thinking of you. Do you do that just to the ones you like? We should be doing that to the brotherhood. Hebrews 13, 6, but do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. So do you want to please God? You say, but this Christian's weird, Lord. This brother is just, you know, they lick windows. I don't know why. I don't understand it. And then he says, they bear my name. I think about these things a lot because I have a lot that I need to be thinking about. But anyway, this is what his admonition was because apparently Philemon was this kind of guy. He did this. He goes on down to say that his faith is effective. And it's because of the acknowledgement of every good thing which is Christ has put in him. Did you know you have every good thing that Christ wants you to have in you? Did you know that, Christian? When you're born again... Now, I'm going to go back and repeat a lesson we learned the other day about John. Remember the word sperma. God's life is in you. His, his uh, spiritual attributes, his spiritual genetic code, all of that that makes is in you. So he's given you all these things. So don't say, well, you know, when God was passing out spiritual gifts, love kind of was a little low. Not true. You just bring baggage to the table because you've been hurt. And therefore, you need to resolve that so that you can be a vessel of love to others. And love is like a muscle, I think, sometimes, too, like chin-ups. Who all likes chin-ups? I do. Boy, it sure is hard to do them, though. The only way to get good at them is do them. And sometimes you just have to hang there. All we've been, we need, we've been given. For he says this. In verse 7. For we have great joy and consolation in your love. Now, now, now did you catch that? Verse 7. For we have great joy. Hmm. And consolation in your love. Who's he talking about here? Philemon. That, 
I don't think anybody talks about me that way. Nobody does. They, they probably shouldn't. But we have great joy and consolation in your love, Philemon. I'm supplying that. Because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. <laughs> How would you like to be the Christian who refreshes the, the brotherhood? <laughs> How would you like to be the Christian in church that just makes everybody just so happy? That's like a unicorn. Okay? But yet, here's Philemon. Oh, and then the world is like, he was a slave owner. He was a brother in the Lord. Things were different in those days. That's how it is. Onesimus now was his brother. Paul had worked through that saying, hey, by the way, he ran away. But God, you know, as it says right there in uh, verse 16, he says, receiving back no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you? And he goes, maybe for this purpose, it was the reason that he departed. So that he would return to you as a brother. And I have no doubt after... Paul giving this kind of a spiritual resume to Philemon, that Philemon was like, yeah, look at all we can do now. Because he just lived others, apparently. We have a selfish, narcissistic culture. In fact, I never used, used to word, used, knew, I, I used to never know the word narcissistic until it seems like this past year. It's just become the word in vogue. Everyone is narcissistic. No one understands me. That's because you're only thinking of yourself. That's narcissism. You're judging me. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> you know, I, okay. So he says this. Now notice, great joy and consolation because he brings them joy because the saints have been re- refreshed by him. Because. That's what you want to be. You want to be that person. You you don't want to be the saint that always smells cheese. You know? Paul, um, typo here. Paul knew the reputation, or see, that's really messed up. Ah, Paul knew him by reputation. He knew that he would be predictably eager that Philemon would be predictably eager and refreshed to receive Onesimus back as a brother. Therefore, Paul knew, having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. Now, after we've discussed a little bit his spiritual reputation, is it hard to see why Paul would write that in verse 21? Jesus said in, 13, in, in, uh, in a book of the Bible in 1355, by this all we know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Or how, how you love one another. In Romans 5, 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And clearly Paul talks a lot about love and the importance of it. If I can do all these things for the church but I don't love them, what profit is it? Now look, I'm going to just be honest with you again. Philemon was a man who loved his brotherhood, his brethren, his church family. He loved and he gave and he was an encouraging person. Onesimus may have been his slave, but Paul knew he would love him too. And undoubtedly did. Okay? Philemon was faithful in all that he did. In fact, he was hyper-faithful. 
Because, as we get back to this end here, Paul writes, having confidence in your obedience, he writes to Philemon, I write to you. How about this? Philemon, the only reason I'm, I'm writing, the, the reason, Philemon, that I'm writing to you is because I have confidence in your obedience. Can that be said of you or me? Think about that. Would you put that on your spiritual resume? Strengths, obedience. You can count on it. I'll be there. But what if it requires shoveling the snow at church at 5 a.m. because people are going to get there early? You should get someone else. (laughs) I mean, we all have our... (laughs) Some would say, that's a line too far. Okay. But having, your confi- having confidence, this is why I'm writing to you, Philemon. I write to you knowing, I know that you will do even more than I say. Wow. It's like this. She's not here so we can talk about her. Terry Poppins, okay? Okay? I call Terry Thomas Terry Poppins. She's in California. Look, And... Uh, so if you ask Terry to make you some cookies or cupcakes, you better watch out because you're going to get an assortment. There won't be room enough to receive it. And you'll bless her day just because she loves to sling those bakery th- ingredients, man. And you just, I just wanted like a, just a plate of chocolate chip cookies. But hey, why not have a cake to compliment it or, or, or cupcakes of well, you know, chocolate has various flavors. So you have the medium chocolate cake, you have the light ones, and then you have, and she's just in it because she will do more. Hey, Terry, we need some plates in the kitchen. She'll bring you Costco. You know, she will. Because that's just, that's just how she is. And everyone who knows her knows that, don't we? She loves to give. She loves to serve. Terry is hyper. And more ways than one. Okay? And this was sort of like Philemon. Man, if she listens to this, she's going to be like, oh, my goodness. But, and then there will probably be cupcakes up here. Don't do it, Terry. Okay, we don't need it. It's holidays. Um, it's bad enough as it is. So I put this in red because I think this is clearly, and, and I think this is where strictly uh, theologians could get lost in their closet. But the even more than I say probably does allude to the fact of emancipation or, or the manumission, the release from slavery, from slavery for Onesimus. You know, to make him a free person. There's no question that that's probably there. I agree with all of the higher-ranking degrees than I have. However, I just think that it's automatic, too, as I read about the spiritual resume of Philemon. And I have to say, in my Bible... I wrote this question. This is about three or four or five years ago or something like that. You get older, it's longer than you think. Can people have confidence in my obedience to the Lord? That's a question we all need to ask ourselves. Can people have confidence? Can pe- Christian, can people have confidence in your obedience to the Lord? You say, well, I would call them, but every time I do, it's always at least an hour. You know who I'm talking about? I mean, this is how it is, right? But if God is impressing you to do that, then you best be doing that. Because you want to be hyper 
in your service. Okay? To love one another, to bear with one another, to forgive one another, to pray for one another, to encourage one another. All of these things. This is what Philemon would do. Because, you know why Philemon would do it? It's not because he's such a great guy. That's right. Because his obedience was the merit of Christ. It's because of Jesus in him. You cannot share your heart and be filled up. It's exclusive. You must be a consecrated vessel. So if there's other stuff in you that's competing, get rid of it. Jettison that. Be a Jesus-only saint. No sharing the space.